Blog Talk Radio. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones, Ph.D. Yeah, you know, we were going to talk about man Trump and how Trumpalicious is bootylicious. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about how great he is and all the great things he's doing for America. But right now, I'd like to I'd like to veer off just a little bit and talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, my homegirl, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She's a good looking lady. Mm-hmm. Some would say hot, some would say girl next door. I say idiot. And in <clears throat> harsh, right? How why would I say such a thing about such a lovely young lady who may very well in just a couple of months, uh three three or four months, be our um our next uh, congresswoman from the great state of New York. Well, she doesn't seem to know much. She seems to be quite empty-headed, as most Democrats are when it comes to certain things. Now, we all know what happened when she was interviewed recently, and she tripped over her own ass 
when she made the comment about Israel occupying Palestine. Frankly, I don't think it was a mistake at all. I think that's what she believes. She believes that Israel is occupying Palestine. So she didn't stumble. She didn't make a mistake. She simply said what she believed, and once it was revealed, once it once it came out, and it was like people were like, and and the and the person sitting across from her, who was very nice, you know, the person sitting across from her wasn't trying to trip her up or anything like that. Um, she she was taken aback by it, and once uh, Cortez realized that, well, the person sitting across from me is not not taking this very well. Maybe I shouldn't say that. She tried to backtrack, and then she made what I consider to be a, the real error. Well, I'm not up on, you know, certain types of policy. I'll, I'll play the clip for you. Well, sweetheart, isn't your degree exactly in that area? But you're not – well, let's go ahead and play. You, you be the judge. By the way, you're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Situation Report. The number, the calling number is six four six 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 eight eight six seven eight because we're live. And today's date is July seventeenth, two thousand seventeen. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Mm-hmm. So let's take a listen to this. Uh, you in the campaign made one tweet or made one statement mm-hmm. that referred to um, a, a killing by Israeli soldiers of civilians in Gaza mm-hmm. and called it a massacre, which mm-hmm. became a little bit controversial. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen anywhere. Uh, what is your position on Israel? Well, I believe absolutely in Israel's right to exist. I am a proponent of a two-state solution. Um, and for me, it's not... If this is not a referendum, I think, on the state of Israel. For me, the lens through which I saw this incident as an activist, as an organizer, is 60 people were killed in Ferguson, Missouri. 60 people were killed in the South Bronx, unarmed. 60 people were killed in, in Puerto Rico. I just looked at that incident more through, uh, through just as an incident. And to me, it would just be completely unacceptable if that happened on our shores. But uh, I am, of course, the, the dynamic there in terms of geopolitics of and the course. war in the Middle East is very different than people expressing their First Amendment right to protest. Well, yes, but I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that, to me, is just where I tend to mm-hmm. come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um, I think it, what I meant is like the, the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just I I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue, you know. For That's me, what your degree I'm a is firm in. Believer in wow. uh, in finding a, a two-state solution in this issue, and um, I'm happy to sit down with leaders on both of this ish- on both of these. For me, I just look at at things through a human rights lens, and I may not use the right words. <laughs> I know this is a That's very honest. It's very honest, and you're going issue. to. I mean, it's it's very honest. And when you um, you know get to Washington and you're an elected member of Congress, you'll have the opportunity to and, talk to people yeah. on all sides and visit Israel and Absolutely. visit the West Bank and Absolutely. And I think that's that's one of those things that's important too is that um, you know especially with the district that I that I represent. I come from the South Bronx. I come from a Puerto Rican background and um, Middle Eastern. Politics is not exactly what's at my kitchen table every night, but I, I also recognize that this is an intensely important issue uh, for people in my district, for Americans across the country, and I think what's at least important to communicate is that I'm willing to listen. 
and that I'm willing to learn and evolve on this issue like I think many Americans are. Okay. Wow. Just just wow. First of all, her voice. She sounds like an airhead valley girl. But she's from New York. She doesn't sound like a New Yorker to me. Does she sound like a New Yorker to you? And how is she not an expert in, or at least have some knowledge of what her degree is in? She's a political science major. She's not that far removed from college. She she doesn't seem to know her ass from a hole in the ground. But, and the sad part is that she is hands down a shoe-in to become congressman, a congresswoman from the state of New York. It's a highly democratic um, uh, district. So she's pretty much going to win. Can you imagine? I mean, did you hear what she said? She sounds like a damn thing, but she's one of those young people who thinks that they know everything or they have a solution to a problem that no one's ever thought of. So let's take a look, a closer look, at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's platform. Now, she's running for Congress to create an America that works for all of us, not just a wealthy few. That's what's on her website right here I'm looking at. So America works for us. Okay, works for all of us, not just a wealthy few. Okay, so she's advocating Medicare for all, a federal jobs guarantee. What the hell does that mean? Well, let's see. Alexandria endorses a federal jobs guarantee because anyone who is willing and able to work shouldn't struggle for employment. So we need to guarantee a job. A federal jobs guarantee would create a baseline standard for employment that includes a $15 minimum wage, full health care, and child sick leave for all. This proposal would dramatically upgrade the quality of employment in the United States by providing training and experience to workers while bringing much-needed public service to our communities in areas such as park services, child care, and environmental conservation. Well, first, there's so much wrong with all that. There's so much wrong with it. And who, who disagrees with me that there's a lot wrong with that? If you disagree, go ahead and come into the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio or my chat room here or call in 646-668-8678 or tweet USMarine underscore or USMarine1. Those are my Twitter handles. And and, and let me know what you think about this because here's the thing. $15 – Dollar minimum wage. Let's say you own a mom and pop store, uh, a cleaners, and you've been paying your um, three helpers, three employees, ten dollars an hour each. Well, the federal government comes in because Ocasio wants it and some of the others, and they say, well, now if you're going to employ these three people. You are mandated by the federal government to pay each of them $15 an hour and give them health care. Well, you know, you're operating on a certain margin, profit margin, and really you can't afford to give all three 
$15 an hour. Otherwise, you go in the red and you'll probably wind up having to cut off some other cut services or raise prices, probably lose business to your nearest competitor. It's all a big mess. And then, so now, what's your solution? Well, mine would be, well, look here. I got three of you. I'm told I have to pay $15 an hour to each of you. Each of you are getting 10 now, so guess what? One of you has got to go. So I'm going to let one of you go, and that $10 that you're getting, I'm going to split it between these other two. Now imagine the ripple effect of that happening all across America. Because the the backbone of this country's economy is small businesses. And if I have to raise my wages, and it's mandated that I do so, and I'm operating on a certain profit margin, well, guess what? I'm not going to sacrifice my income so that my employee can get paid. No, one or two of you has got to go, and I'll pick up the slack and pocket that extra 10 or $15 myself. So we'll have so what will happen folks is unemployment will rise. And there'll be more people unemployed unemployed because of this increased minimum wage. It's just basic high school college 101 economics. It's just the way it is. So that's a that's a big old mess right there. Federal jobs guarantee. Now, furthermore, a federal jobs guarantee program would establish a floor of wages and benefits for the nation's workforce. This program would provide a baseline minimum wage of dollars an hour and guarantee public workers a basic benefits package. Where is this stuff all coming from? And my 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 question is when I hear about this pie in the sky stuff is who's paying for all this? Who's paying? Where does the money come to pay for all this? But 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 I digress. Here we go. Now, so we got a federal jobs guarantee. Then we've got immigration immigration justice. Abolish ICE. Clean campaign finance support. L-G-B-T-Q-I-A plus. Did you you hear that shit? Support L-G-B-T-Q-I-A. I'm losing track of all this shit. It's lesbian gay. Now, I know the T is transgendered. What's the Q for in the I and the A? Can somebody help me out with that? What the hell is that? The 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 letters just keep getting longer. I don't even un, I don't I know lesbian and gay. Okay. So now we've added some more stuff, so you got to support that. Okay, so and and for now she wants uh what what what's more housing as a human right. Housing in the United States, she writes, uh, or it's written, housing in the United States has become a playground for wealthy developers. Instead of a leg up toward the American dream, in New York City specifically, money from luxury real estate developers has taken over our political establishment, leading to luxury rezoning that push out small businesses and working families and leave a wake of empty units in their place. Working New Yorkers can't afford to stay. These their families have called homes for generations. Blah 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 blah. What do we do? That's what it, it, it reads here. So what do we do? Alexandria believes that housing is a right. Damn. And that Congress must tip the balance away from housing as a gambling chip for Wall Street banks. For that's actually within working families' reach. Housing is a right, folks. Whose house? Congress has allowed most 
of our existing housing investments to go toward blah, 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 by refusing money from how blah, 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 blah. that's a bunch of crap too. So we've got the free housing or housing as a right. Huh. Ooh, solidarity with Puerto Rico. Huh. Gun control, assault weapons, bans, of course, ban, of course, we know all about that. Solidarity, solidarity with Puerto Rico. What does that mean? I'm not even going to read this crap. Uh, I remember being stationed on Puerto Rico where we had this group called the Machaderos, uh, loosely translated men who carry machetes. And they were a separatist group, and they went around terrorizing military bases and, and American tourists and you know, um, shooting up the bases and, and killing people who, uh, who advocated uh, – killing and terrorizing those who advocated for, um, for statehood. So, uh, wow. All right, so higher education trade school for all. Hmm. Who's, who pays for all that? My, my, that would be my question. Or do, or do we get volunteers to do that? How does that work? I like that. Okay. A peace economy. What does that mean? Let's take a look here. Since the invasion of Iraq in 2003, the United States has entangled itself in war and occupation throughout the Middle East and North Africa. As of 2018, we are currently involved in military action in Libya, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, Pakistan, and Somalia. Hundreds of thousands of civilians in these countries have been killed either as collateral damage from American strikes or from instability caused by U.S. intervention. Hmm. Okay. Millions more have fled their broken countries contributing to the global refugee crisis. <sighs> wow. This continued action damages Americans – America's legitimacy as a force for good creates new generations of potential terrorists and erodes American prosperity in times when we're told that Republicans and corporate Democrats seem to find the cash to fund a $1.1 trillion fighter jet program, nuclear weapons, you know, all the usual stuff. So, according to her, according to the Constitution, the right to declare war belongs to the legislative body, yet these global acts of aggression have never once been – okay, all right, okay. So now she wants to bring the troops home uh, and, you know, that kind of stuff. We can become stronger by building stronger diplomatic – yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so criminal justice reform – End private prisons. Okay, well, I, I can go along with that. Mobilizing against climate change. No. Women's rights? Hmm, I thought that we dealt with that already long, long, long time ago, but I guess women need more rights, I suppose. All right. Curb Wall Street gambling. Restore glass Senegal. I don't know what that is. At all, but you know what? Here's the thing. Let me tell you a little story about socialism. I have this friend. We'll call her Sylvia. Is dealing with an ailing parent, and the ailing parent um, she needs help. So, um, mom and dad uh, work out of the country, and they're out of the country maybe ten months. Out of uh, out of twelve, and every once in a while they get to come home. They have a very very nice house, four bedrooms, um, three and a half baths, you know the usual. And uh, and and so the mom has um, had to allow her daughter to uh, get a fresh start and live in the house. Well, the daughter has a boyfriend. Who she's been with for a number of years, and who for some reason hasn't hasn't married her, but they have a child together, and so now he's come along from Michigan, and now they're they're staying in the house, and together they have um, four children, 
and with his children and 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 hers um one of his baby's mama uh lives in Georgia so you know they got they got that whole thing going on so now everybody's living in this house I hope that the parents before they left to go back overseas stock the kitchen there's food in the fridge they were told they can stay there for as long as they want all right, so what would you do? You have free rent. You've got heat, air. The house is stocked with all kinds of nice gadgets. It's a really, really nice house. And I'm told that every single morning with four kids, the youngest one being two, then there is a six-year-old, then there is a nine-year-old, then there is a 14-year-old, and then there's one more. I'm told that mom and dad somehow managed to sleep until noon every single day. Not a single one of these two clowns have gotten up to go out and try to look for a job, even though they keep saying that they will. They're living rent-free. And they're just chilling. That is a form of socialism. <laughs> because mom and dad, what the hell were mom and dad thinking? Didn't give them a timetable for when they had to establish themselves and move out on their own. You can stay here as long as you want. The two parents are shiftless all to be damned. There's a two-year-old walking around who isn't even potty trained yet, still wearing a diaper at two years old. How the hell does that happen? He can barely speak. I show up at the house one day, and the kid can't even count to four. You can't understand the damn word he's saying. Because he doesn't say anything. He just mumbles. The other kids are walking around all on their own, all over the house. And mama and daddy are upstairs, still asleep. It was 1130 when I got there. And I said uh, to my friend, we'll call her Sylvia. Well, are, are they going to get up? I don't know. They're supposed to take the kids to get backpacks for school. Well, it's 11.30. It's Tuesday. They're still in bed. Yeah. So how long has this been going on? Well, they said they were going to get up and go out and look for jobs today. And they said they were going to do this yesterday and the day before, but they... You know, they sleep late and they, they decide they're going to go walking or whatever and you know, I said, well, 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 okay. So what is what? What? what uh, okay. Uh, you know, but well, here's the thing. This is what happens when there's no expect. There are no expectations. There are no. There's no accountability. Mom and dad, the mom of the lady who is staying in the house, her the daughter, has brought along this nothing ass, lazy ass Negro. Who's laying up in the parents' house? No shame. He's got no shame. None. Living off the daughter's parents in their house, not even attempting to go out and look for work. They're both just chilling. This is what I this is what I call socialism. Something for nothing. Where is the incentive when you're given something for nothing, for ab for doing absolutely nothing, then you get absolutely nothing. The parents stocked the refrigerator, went to Sam's Club and Costco and every other damn place, filled the place with all different kinds of food, didn't expect anybody to – you know, to go out and work and get their own food. They'll probably restock the replenish the place. You know, once the food runs out. 
They're living for free. Nothing's expected of them. They're not expected to produce anything. Now, I was told that, well, you know, you've got some nice floors here, but I see they're all scuffed up. Well, you know, uh, blankety blank, the husband said before they left, he called everybody downstairs and he said, well, if you break this, you're going to have to pay for it. If you do this, if you put a hole in the wall, then you're going to have to have it fixed. And my question was, I said, hold on. He said that if they break anything or damage anything on the property, they're going to have to pay for it. How are they going to do that? The two lazy asses are upstairs sleeping on a damn Tuesday till noon. And they got kids running all around the house. One in a shitty diaper. Two years old. Can't count to four. You heard me? Now you might be saying to me right here and now, what does all this have to do with this? And It's socialism, folks. In that house in McDonough, Georgia is a microcosm of what socialism is like. Free housing. They have housing as a human right because the daughter doesn't have a job. So mama said, come on down here. I got plenty of room. Well, can I bring so-and-so? Well, you know, I guess so, since you got a baby with the nigga. Okay. So now he drives down. They all driving down. There's four people living in a really fine house, messing it up all to be damned. And the worst part is the little, the cute little boy who's running around who can't speak for some reason. Can't count to four. And he has a shitty diaper running around the house. But mom and dad created a utopia for these clowns, for these trifling asses. Free food. Stocked refrigerator. Stocked cupboards. Big screen TV. They got it all. Sleep until noon. All day, every day. Get up, eat. The kids, they fending for themselves. He had a big giant bag of knockoff uh, Fruity Pebbles or something. Mom and dad sleeping upstairs. This is what Ocasio's dream is. Free stuff for all. Never, Nevertheless... You know, we know that somebody has to pay for it. Mom and dad's paying for it. All right, so let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Democratic socialism. It's not the same as socialism socialism because it's democratic, right? 
or something, right? People are buying that. People buy that now, right, apparently? As though adding the word democratic in front of a word changes what it means. Just because we toss something to a vote doesn't change what that something is, nor does it alter whether that something is inherently good or bad. A couple of examples, because I know you'll ask, Hamas was democratically elected as a government in Gaza, despite the fact that the destruction of not only Israel, but the eradication of all Jews is in their official charter. Robert Mugabe, or Bobby Mugabe if you prefer, was democratically elected by a loving majority in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, how's that working out? Venezuela? Well, Hugo Chavez, noted personal favorite and friend of Sean Penn, to whom he constantly pointed as being unfairly characterized as a dictator when in fact he was democratically elected as a socialist. Well, how'd that work out for Venezuela? Well, it's now on the brink of collapse, despite it being one of the most resource-rich nations in the entire world. Basic things like eggs, milk, flour, and toilet paper are either too expensive for the average Venezuelan or simply out of stock. Out of stock, mind you, democratically. I know. Some of you will say, well, that's not fair, because really, we knew all along it technically was a dictatorship. Okay, that's fair. Let's move on to example number two. Denmark? Okay, here's the time where you point to an entirely homogenous population, about 160th the size of America's, and you point to that as the blueprint. Okay, let's go there. This is a place where the middle class can't even afford a car because of the 180% new car tax. And the prime minister was so fed up with Americans pointing to it as a beacon for socialist success that he felt compelled to clarify, I would like to make one thing clear. Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy. Sweden? I love Sweden. Okay, great bikini team and... Thanks to that country, my armoire now doubles as a bookcase. Speaking of which, the founder of IKEA, let's be honest, the only really cool export from Sweden, aside from a few good hockey players, left Sweden because of the stifling high tax rate. So, Sweden, good place, not bad people, but a successful model for a viable economy in today's global market? Incorrect. The fact is that over time, the greatest enemy of socialism is reality. The reality that human nature will invariably pull certain people toward individualism and success and others toward laziness and collectivism. The tension between the makers and the takers always, always leads to socialism's inevitable collapse. But I know that I can give you examples of failed socialist economies until I'm blue in the face and you won't care. Because at least socialism is inherently more morally altruistic than the evil, greedy, capitalist, warmongering scene in the West. Greed? What's more greedy than wanting to take from someone else something that you haven't earned? Unlike capitalism, free enterprise, which can only occur truly through voluntary transaction, socialism can only occur at gunpoint. That's what it comes down to. If you don't pay your taxes, once you get through the IRS and the auditing and the lawyers and the PR stunts, People make you give the government your money, increasing amount of your money, the more successful you are, or they send in scary men with guns to take you away. Now, so long as the people having their stuff taken away at gunpoint are in the minority, and the majority feels that they'll get to benefit from more said taken stuff, you'll always be able to win that decision through a popular vote and claim the moral high ground through democracy. Putting the word Democratic in front of your socialism doesn't make it any inherently more moral nor less violent. Did you get that? American wannabe socialists also. Get a job. Please, like a real job. You'll probably have to shake first. I'm Steven Crowder for Prager University. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, click here. To help keep our videos free, donate here. For decades, there's been a strong bond between the Christmas season and capitalism. After all, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, which kicks off the Christmas shopping madness, is practically the pinnacle of free market consumerism. But this Christmas, especially after a financial collapse around the world, thanks to the unregulated capitalism run amok, there's a more skeptical eye on the free market. On Sunday, Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke spoke of two societies emerging in America today because of troubling and expanding inequality in the country. We have the biggest income disparity gap of any industrialized country in the world. And I wonder where you think that's taking America. 
Well, it's a, it's a very bad development. Uh, it's creating two societies. And it's based very much, I think, on... Here's my question. When you see around the globe the maldistribution of wealth, the, the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, uh, when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, when you, when you see the greed and the concentration of power within... Don't, aren't you ever... Did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism and whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worse, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. And what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. All right, welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Um, that was, um, I think it was about 1983-84. Uh, Milton Friedman, the uh, famed economist, talking to uh, the famed socialist um, talk show host, Phil Donahue, about uh, socialism. Socialism versus capitalism. So, our good friend, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Cortez, from Puerto Rico, as she says, when she wants to say Puerto Rico, she throws in the accent, which never really made any sense to me. I mean, why speak perfect English, and then when you're speaking of a country, then you'll use the accent. Obama did that a few times when he talked about countries like Pakistan. He would start talking, start speaking, and he would speak like this, well, we're going to do some good work, and we're going to have some things going on, and then we're going to have some things going on in Pakistan, and then he'd go on to start talking regular again. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Why not just say Pakistan. Why did he have to say Pakistan? <sighs> anyway, so Ocasio does that. Uh, she did it in an interview, and then she, when she spoke of Puerto Rico, she said Puerto Rico, and then she went off to speak like uh, like a normal person. All right, so Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, my homegirl from the island of Puerto Rico, born in Ponce, celebrated 28 year old Democratic nominee for Congress in New York's 14th district. Appeared on Firing Line. The conversation you heard was a broad overview of Cortez's positions on capitalism, education, and foreign policy, which she seemed to know absolutely nothing about. One widely circulated highlight was Cortez's reference to the occupation of Palestine. Sweetheart, 
you're running for office in New York City. You're surrounded by those so-called occupiers. Okay? Occu- uh, um, <clears throat> which uh, she said uh, – she went on to say that uh, for those of you who are new, she reported she, – she, she responded by saying – that she supposed she was referring to the Israeli settlements in some of these areas, which make it difficult for Palestinians to access their housing and homes. So, Miss Hoover, the the uh, the, the um, uh, questionnaire, the interviewer, uh, asked for a fuller explanation, trying to help her recover. But got only Ocasio's uh, Cortez's demural that she was not the expert on geopolitics on this issue, which just happens to be in the wheelhouse of her bachelor's degree, and she's not that far removed from college, from what I understand. So, how could she not be an expert on geopolitics, or at least know what the hell she's talking about? So so much for that. Unfortunately, this wasn't simply the simply the one scare on an otherwise flawless performance. Most of the time, Ocasio opened her mouth only to change feet. She began by summarizing the principle of the Democrat Democratic Socialist of America, of which she is a member. She said, "No person in America should be too poor to live. Well, maybe they should take their asses out and get jobs." Okay, well, that's hardly distinctive. Being the objective of everyone, save the objectivist. But from there, Ocasio-Cortez, not even halfway down the road of life, wandered confused through a dark forest of misinformation. From the principle, um, she deducted the goal that every American have access to health care, housing, and college education. However, uh, Hoover, after agreeing on the goal, asked Cortez why she thinks Democrat socialism is the proper vehicle for achieving it. She answered that DSA, Democrat Socialism of a Socialist of America, is the only organization that is actively pushing for universal health care in college. How do you get universal health care in college? How does that even happen? Anyway, she just went on to make an ass out of herself, and she is now, guess what, the darling of the Democrat Party. And you know what? I love it. I love it so much because if she's going to be the face of the Democrat Party, they're going to get their asses kicked this November. I think we have a caller on the line, or maybe just a listener, but we're going to find out right here and now. Mm-hmm. Hey, caller, you're on with the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. you have a comment? Hmm? Nope. Okay, well, we'll go back to the show. No comment there. So listen, what do you think about all this? She explained herself as a as a as a fellow millennial. And then she spoke about the unemployment rate. She stated that um well, unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Hmm. No, that wouldn't make sense if the unemployment rate were calculated by asking businesses whether their jobs were filled. But the Bureau of Labor Statistics actually calculates the unemployment rate using the household survey, which asks people whether they have a job. The answer is yes, whether you work one job or seven. (laughs) doesn't matter. The establishment survey directed at businesses is used to determine job creation, but not unemployment. So how the hell does she know? How the hell does she know that 
everyone has two jobs. Frankly, I have no job. So, I mean, I'm retired. So how does she know that everyone has two jobs? How do, where does that information come from? Because it's not calculated anywhere. Okay, so here she made a claim that the model of the present no holds barred Wild West hypercapitalism is, quote, profit at any cost, which is an oxymoron, kind of like her. Hoover then asserted that capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other economic system in human history. Oh, and out came the dialectic and that you could have expected. Cortez responded that this progress is part of is part of the course of human evolution. What the hell does that mean? And she went on to state that I would hope that the most recent economic system, our current economic system, is the one that is most beneficial for everyday people. As economies evolve by becoming more automated, however, we need to make sure we don't throw those people away. She did not explain how having workers own the means of production the long-stated socialist goal would save them from that fate because she doesn't know. She's just spouting, you know, rhetoric and platitudes and, and silliness that makes no sense whatsoever. But you know what? She's the face of the Democrat Party right now. She's young. She's somewhat attractive. And she's young and somewhat attractive. She's not overly bright as we've seen. It's been revealed. She's been exposed. Now, Hoover proceeded to ask, is the context of democratic socialism then, do you think, or in the context of democratic socialism then, do you think it calls for an end to capitalism? So this isn't the question one would ask a true socialist. It's like asking a monarchist, whether he thinks the present democracy will have to stop when the king takes power. But nevertheless, when Hoover and everyone else seem to understand that Cortez is not actually a socialist, she is a proponent of an enormous welfare state and confiscatory taxation, which still preserves the distinctive capitalist feature of private ownership of industry. So there's that distinction. But we need to split hairs. Moving on. We follow Cortez into her demands for free college and trade school education necessitated by our evolving economy. The interview was only half an hour long, but she failed to mention that this free college education is for Hmm, she failed. What is it what is it for? What are the jobs in this unprecedented new economy that financial Darwinism is producing? What skills do people need to keep up with this economy? We don't know. We get the feeling that Ocasio Cortez doesn't know either. The woman is clearly out of her depth, just like, hmm, someone else. Oh, his name was Barack Hussein Obama. No experience whatsoever, ran for office, got in, and then proceeded to make complete and total jackasses of themselves. Obama did too thinking he knew what the hell was going on and he didn't know a damn thing. So now we've got the new Obama in the form of a somewhat attractive airhead Puerto Rican chick from New York City. 
Jenny from uh, 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 Alexandria from the block. And she thinks she knows what the hell is going on. But she has no real answers. She just wants everybody to get free stuff, and she wants the rich people to foot the bill. There's nothing new here. Nothing new at all. I can't wait until November. I wonder if she'll win. If she does, she is in for a rude awakening, folks. Well, we got to go. Thank you for listening. Tune in again tomorrow. We'll talk more about this and other things. You've been listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We're out. Good night, folks. Yes, it is.